or end. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust. For you, a thousand years are like yesterday. They are like a few hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. Like grass that dried and withered in the morning, it blows and flourishes, but finally it is dried and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you. Our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath. We live our lives with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some may even rich eating, but even the best of these years are filled with pain and trouble. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as we deserve. Teach us to make the most of our time that we may grow in wisdom. Oh Lord, come back to us. America. Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former miseries. Replace the every years with God. Let us see your miracles again. Let our children see your glory at work. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. For we worship you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we surrender our service. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We bless your holy name. There is no one else like you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you that we have this opportunity to come together. And I pray, Lord, for this evening and for this message, Lord, and that you will have divine appointments with each and every one of us, not just tonight, but on a regular basis, Lord. Let us always be ready. Let us always be ready for the appointments that you're setting for us. We thank you and we praise you for your goodness in our lives. And we trust you. And we desire to trust you fully and wholly every moment, every day. In Jesus' name. You can see I put up the overhead divine appointments. And that's the title of the message the Lord placed on my heart, Divine Appointments. What if I miss it? <clears throat> what if I miss some major opportunity from God 
because I'm just not listening. Mm. I'm not tuned in. You know, he gave us the Holy Spirit of the living God to be with us and dwell in us. And we have the ability to listen, to hear from the Lord, to encounter him, walk with him on a regular basis, day in and day out. But how does God speak to me? How does he speak to me? You know, I, many of you already may have your relationship with the Lord and you understand that he addresses each of us differently and in different ways. And you might hear that small voice coming from the Holy Spirit guiding and directing you. But remember, not everyone does. And as his witnesses, it's important for us to share the beauty and wonder of what he's done in our lives with others. Our testimony can be the biggest witness we have in drawing others to him. So how does he speak to me? How many ways can God speak to me? He speaks to all of us. Amen. First and foremost, we know that he speaks to us through the scripture. That the scripture is God-breathed. According to 2 Timothy 3.16, and it's profitable. It's God-breathed, and it is profitable in our lives. Nothing God directs us to do will ever, ever, ever contradict the scriptures. Remember that. And that's why it's so important for us to study, to show ourselves approved, to study, to know the word of God. Because it's that very word of God that we need to understand in order to make sure the things that we buy into, the things that we share with others, actually align with the word of God. Because that is the number one way, the number one way that he speaks to each and every person. He speaks to us, he speaks to us through other ways too, like visions. He speaks to us through dreams. And always, always, that still small voice. He can speak to us through events that happen and we encounter in our lives. He can speak to us through people. He nudges us. The Holy Spirit of God is happy to nudge us and to quicken us to move in a certain direction. I'm sure most people, especially in your earlier walk with the Lord, that was kind of like how you encountered him. You would feel something churning up inside of you. No, no, go this way, not that way. No, stop. Stop, you're going too far. Move out. Be bold. Speak now. He nudges us in those directions. And he does that with all of us. But the main thing is that he desires to speak to every single one of us. And he will speak to every single one of us if we are willing and available. We are willing and available. He will always make sure that you hear him. Always. If you're not hearing him, ask him why. Get closer to him. Ask him to show you how to be more willing, how to be more available. The Holy Spirit sometimes leads us into the title of tonight's message, which is Divine Appointments. An event that is orchestrated and is purposed by God to achieve a specific outcome or to deliver a promise. 
usually what happens when there's a divine appointment. For example, we're going to do examples here. So this is partially a teaching, but I'm hoping that this is also going to stir you up. In Genesis 28, Jacob. Jacob had a dream of stairs leading into heaven and angels ascending and descending on those stairs. The Lord made a promise to Jacob and to all of Jacob's descendants. And in part of verse 14 of Genesis 28, we could read, In you, this is the Lord speaking in the dream, in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The seed of Jacob that blessed all the families of the earth, Messiah, Yahshua, Jesus the Christ, our Lord. This promise became our personal promise. It's the promise that we should all desire, that we should desire for everyone we know to have and to enter into. In Exodus 3, Moses encounters God speaking through a bush in flames, yet not burning up. What if you encountered that? God gave Moses full instructions and he called him out in verse 10 of Exodus 3 saying, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses spent the rest of his life carrying out that mission. It was a divine appointment. Divine appointments can be meetings with a certain person that God has orchestrated or a group or being at a certain place at a certain time. A divine appointment can be a message that we hear at the very most opportune moment or it could be something that triggers inside of us, within us, a revelation. It could be an aha moment. A aha moment, the moment that you realize who your God is. An aha moment when you see the vision clearly that God has planned for your life. When you see the steps he wants you to take. An aha moment. Now I understand why all of that happened to me in my life. Now I get it. It didn't make sense to me before, but I could see God moving in it. God moves in those ways for each and every one of us. A revelation. Every true believer has had at least one divine appointment that you cannot deny, if you're a true believer, whether it seemed very spectacular or not. The moment of your conversion, your new birth, that was an amazing transformation. And each of us can look back on that time and realize that we had a divine appointment we may not have known it. We may have thought about it ahead of time, but it was a divine appointment, and that divine appointment made it possible for you to change your life for all eternity. We've all had at least one. But I'm here to tell you that I believe God wants us to walk, that the divine should not be 
otherworldly to us. We should be walking in his presence with the Holy Spirit at all times. And we should be ready and eager. Show me the next divine appointment in my life. Because they're not all for you. They're oftentimes he'll use you in someone else's life. So divine appointments can touch our, our, our touch of God's kingdom that manifest himself right down here among us. Right down here among little old us. He's willing to come down. The Lord God Almighty. Divine appointments are ju not just for us, like I said before, but every divine appointment has power. The power of God behind it, the power to change one life or to change many lives. There's power in divine appointments. There's power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, brings power everywhere he goes. We need to be available and open and willing, and we will experience it, and we will be his instruments. So he will use them to save a life. He'll use divine appointments to prevent an accident from happening. He will speak an exact word at the exact moment that someone exactly needs to hear. And it might come from your mouth. And it might come from your mouth. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, Jesus taught us to pray. And to be mindful of the kingdom. He didn't say pray this prayer over and over mindlessly. He said be mindful of the kingdom in this way. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to say it and you can repeat it with me if you would like. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive our debtors, sinners. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, we speak and we live in accordance with and in accord with the Lord's Prayer. When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, we're asking for divine appointments. We're asking for divine appointments. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Show up, Lord. Show up. Change me, Father. Change my circumstances. Intervene. Reign your kingdom power. Power down on us. Drench us. Drench us, Lord. Drench me in the oil of your Holy Spirit's presence. Yes, Lord. Teach us. Teach us, Lord, to live in your kingdom now. In your kingdom here. Amen. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, let's mean it. When we are saying these things, don't rush over them. Let's mean it all the time. Let's believe that as his servants, even now, right now, every day, that we're equipped to walk with him. We're equipped to walk in him. 
and his kingdom power for the glory of God. Remember, everything we do, everything we say, every move we make is supposed to be for the glory of God to bring glory to our heavenly father. And let's try to do that. Let's make an effort in our lives. You know, we're so complacent. And I believe that some of the movement of God that he wants over each and every one of us, it doesn't happen because we're just complacent. We're just complacent about it. We, and it's, you know, he understands, he sees us, he knows us, but let's determine not to be like that. Let's determine to move out, to actually mean the words we say, to mean the songs we sing, to mean the prayers we give up to our holy God. We can ask him, he's benevolent, our father is benevolent, and he desires to be active in our lives. And he is active in every divine appointment. So if you're hearing me, he may be asking you to be his instrument in changing someone's life. And I literally mean in changing someone's life. Anyone who you bring to salvation, their life is that you participated in God's appointment with them for salvation. Their life is changed forever. You know that because yours is. Because yours is. But there's so many other things too. There's so many things that God directs us to do and ways he directs us to move that are going to have an impact on another human being. And you don't even necessarily know it. You won't know it. And maybe you'll never know it till you see that person in heaven or until the Lord says, oh, by the way, well done. When you were listening to me and this over here happened and, and you were listening to me and your heart went out to that person because you know how I like it when you act in love. You know how I like it when you're showing compassion and love for somebody else. By the way, well done. Because guess what? You made a difference in their life. And in turn, they made the di a difference in lives that have just multiplied and multiplied down the way. So well done. I want to hear that. So how much importance do we put on being instruments in God's kingdom? How amazing that that really is. How much emphasis do we put on it? Is it important to us? We need to be crying out to him. If it's not important to us, make it important to me, Lord. Make it a priority in my life that I care for having this time with you and that I, ha I care for having others have the same time with you that I'm so blessed to experience. Everything we do needs to be, like I said, to the glory of God. Amen. His encounters, his miracles, his power, his mercy, his goodness, bringing glory to his holy name now and forever needs to be our desire. So, yes, we pray thy kingdom come. The power of the glory and the power and glory forever and ever be yours, our Lord. We pray that. And with that, I can say, your kingdom come, your will be done, power and glory and might forever and ever. I could say that and we could finish right now and say, right, let's go out there, let's jump out there and let's go do it. Let's go do it. Let's bring kingdom power out here into the world. But I'm not done. <laughs> but I'm not done. Because I think there's more he wants us to understand. Because the moment of your transformation, your new birth, that was a divine appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was orchestrated by the Father, and it was enabled by the Holy Spirit. Divine appointments can change your life forever, 
And he, if you are obedient to God, you can change the life of others through your actions and through your words. So it's just not the divine appointments. It's how we conduct ourselves, how we treat one another, how we care for one another. We are, why aren't we walking in that kind of kingdom authority all the time? Why? Why aren't we? How do we keep from missing the divine appointments? We have to stay open and we have to stay available. And we can only stay open and, and available by choosing to live in God's kingdom now. So it sounds like I'm repeating myself a little bit and I am and I'm doing it on purpose. Because sometimes we're a we take a little while. We don't get it the first time we hear it or the second time we hear it. We can only do it by choosing to live in God's kingdom right here, right now, all the time. Looking at every day as an opportunity to serve him. Amen. Remembering to be flexible. Oh my gosh. We need to remember to be flexible. Because we can be so inflexible. For being Christians who are supposed to be free and open to what the Holy Spirit is doing through us or in us. We can be so inflexible. So we need to do that, and we need to remember that God's timetable is not always our timetable. Because we're quick, 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 busy, busy, busy. Do it for me now, God. Do it right now. <laughs> His timetable is not always ours. His calendar doesn't always flip at the same speed as ours. So we have to learn to listen to him and to be happy just to have him in our lives and spend time with him. We need to just get on his page. We need to get on his timetable, on his calendar, and quit worrying so much about what we want, how I want it to be, when I want it to be. Relax in him. He has a plan. He has a plan. Let the Holy Spirit decide, decide when to follow through. Don't resist God if he calls you. Unlike Moses at the burning bush, we have another one here, Jonah. Jonah, see, and I'm telling you stories you know because I want you just to put it in your mind. Jonah resisted God. He rebelled because he did not like what God was asking him to do. He didn't like it one little bit. He decided that God wanted him to go uh, bless the people of Nineveh by giving them this information. And he didn't want Nineveh to have a second chance from God. He didn't want it. So let's read what he did in Jonah 1. It's Jonah 1 beginning in verse 1. And I'm just going to read it to you. But you can follow along if you want. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For there's wickedness, and it has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. Jonah so wanted to avoid the word of the Lord that he was determined to go in the exact opposite direction of where God had told him to go. I'm not that brave. <laughs> okay, I'm not that brave. 
But we read in verse 17 of chapter 1 of Jonah. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Well, we know that there's references to our Lord there. But I'm looking at this a little different. I don't think that was a very pleasant divine appointment. But would you agree with me that it was a divine appointment? Because it said the Lord had prepared the great fish to swallow him. Okay. So Jonah, but he didn't die in the fish. He didn't die in the fish. God gave Jonah a second chance. Jonah delivered God's message to the people of Nineveh. A message that caused them to turn to God, at least for a period of time, and to repent and to receive a second chance. The second chance that God had wanted them to have. Okay, well, I'm not going to get into all of it, but well, God, will God deal the same way with us as he did with Jonah? He can. He can deal with us that way if he wants to. He can do anything he wants to, right? But gratefully, gratefully, um, he usually just sends someone else in our stead when we act like Jonah did. He sends someone else because he intended that this would happen. They would get the word and they would get the second chance. He would just send someone else. Someone who was more faithful than us could be sent, someone who is willing to be obedient, and um, we are left with disappointment it's true. It's true. of a missed appointment. <laughs> because we will feel that way. A missed appointment is always because, isn't always because we just aren't listening, okay? It isn't always because we just aren't listening. Or just like just don't like what God had to say like Jonah. Sometimes we're afraid. No, we really are. Sometimes we're afraid of how others might receive us if we're being obedient to what God is asking us to do. Sometimes we can be afraid of the power of God himself. And don't underestimate that. That was a big part of the majority of the Israelites' problems. They were afraid of the voice of God. They were afraid of encountering God himself. We should never be afraid of our Lord, but sometimes we are. And that can keep us from our divine appointments with him. When God is asking you to do something and you're hesitant or resistant, you're not going to know it. If you're hesitant or resistant and he's literally asking you to do something, I know there's people here who've had this happen to them. I know because I've had conversations with some. And this is what will usually happen, and it's happened to me. God will start to cause a burning and a yearning inside of you. And it will rise up inside of you, and you just, you just can't shake it. You can't do anything to shake that. You can't push it away. You try to, but it just keeps on eating at you, eating at you. Speak it, do it, speak it, do it. And it's just there and you can't shake it. And you can't relieve it. The only way you can is to go ahead and follow through with what God is asking you to do. And that's the moment it'll be gone. 
The only other way it gets gone is if he says fine and he uses someone else. Then it would go down and you will have missed an opportunity with him. It's in the follow through because in the follow through, especially if we're afraid, God knows that in the follow through, that that's where we become stronger. That's where, we, where his power is manifested through us and there's no denying it. You know it's him because you would not ever be able to do it without him. Amen. And that is important because we recognize then that we become stronger. And it is when we become stronger and we follow through that that's when God gives us victory over whatever it is or anything that's happening around us. We must always remember that there is demonic activity out there and that there are demons that will try to cause fear, will try to hold you back, will try to do anything in your life to steal from you, to rob you, to keep you from your divine appointments. Know that, understand it, and don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Stop it in its tracks. Stop it in its tracks. Recognize it and stop it. Because God wants us whole. He doesn't want us broken. He wants us made whole. And we can be made whole. And we can stay whole. Are we going to mess up sometimes? Is sin going to creep into our lives? But we need to run right back to him. We cannot listen to the voice of Satan who wants to kill us, destroy us. Who wants to mess us up and mess up everyone else around us if he can. We can't. We need to run back to him and admit that we can be broken. Because even Christians can be broken. Anybody here want to deny that? That a Christian can be broken. And that there's only one who can make that Christian whole. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So remember the Lord's Prayer. We're instructed to forgive, and we're also instructed to ask for forgiveness, to ask for provision in that prayer, and for deliverance from the evil one. Be aware of all of those things. We need to get rid of, um, we need to especially come to the Lord for forgiveness for ourselves, but also to show us how to forgive others. Because we must, must, must forgive others. Amen. He forgave us so much. And this wasn't in my notes, and I don't want to run too over. But I just want to say on forgiveness, it's so important that we understand that when you forgive someone, when you forgive someone, you're not condoning their behavior. You're not saying that everything they did was okay. You're not saying that... I forgive you, and so our relationship is mended and healed, and we're going to go right back where we were. That is not what forgiveness is. When you forgive another person, what you are saying is, I am going to release you from this particular situation. It doesn't mean you forget. And see, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, God forgets. He pushes everything aside. You don't forget when somebody has hurt you. It would be crazy to keep jumping back in the same situation over and over and over again. I forgive you. Beat me up again. I forgive you. Uh, punish me again. I forgive you. Steal from me again. We don't do that. We forgive the situation and we move on. But we move on smarter. There are, there are parameters that we may have to place with that person. There is a moving back into a, a tight relationship that might happen slowly. 
over time with the God, God's help in the center of it to mend and to bring us together. But we don't just throw it all away. Oh, no, I don't even remember it. And you will know, I'm going to give you this clue. I gave it to the women's group a long time ago. You will know if you've really forgiven someone. Do you know how that is? When, when you can tell to yourself or tell to someone else the story of what happened to you, maybe you're sharing it with somebody who needs to have some encouragement because they're in a similar situation. You can tell them, well, this happened to me, and I went through this, and it was very painful, and I forgave the person, and you get through the whole thing. And then you get on the other side of it, and you look and you think, it was like I was talking about uh, telling a story about somebody I don't even know. Because what happens when God has really set you free and you've really forgiven is the emotion, the emotion, the anger, the hurt, all of that, it's gone. That's how you know you've forgiven. And you keep pressing into God to help you to do that. Like I said, you're not forgiving the situation or what happened. But you are being set free from emotional bondage that will destroy you. Amen. Anger will destroy you. Bitterness will destroy you. Hatred will destroy you. So give it to God and let him work on you till it's worked out. And it's a beautiful thing. I have many things in my own life that I had to do that with. And it's, it's an amazing, praise you Lord, feeling when you've been released. And you know you've been released. And those things that hurt you so deeply, so badly, it's like you're watching a movie. It didn't really even happen to you. It happened to your old self. Not who you are at this moment today in the Lord. Okay, that was a segue. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to move on. Like I said, he wants you whole. And the scriptures are filled with divine appointments, so we can't obviously go over all of them. Everywhere you look, you're going to see one. Here's another one. The scriptures talk about fishermen in Luke 5. They're a great example of a divine appointment. So let's read about them if you want to follow. Luke 5, 1 through 11, we're going to read. So it was as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. So first they came to hear the word of God. That he, Jesus, stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from it and they were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked Simon, put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and he taught from that boat, the multitudes who had gathered there. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep now. Let down your nets for a catch. <laughs> but Simon answered him and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so many that their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners, come, come near, come closer, come over to our boat and help us. And they came and filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. They were so full. 
And when Simon Peter saw it, oh, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were so astonished at the catch of fish which had been taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Do you hear him? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Amen. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all. And they followed him. Amen. Divine appointment. Amen. They had toiled all night for nothing. All night. You know, fishermen went out at night because that's when the fish were out biting and stirring. And they fished all night for nothing. They had toiled. Toiled is hard, heavy labor. Their boats now were filled to overflowing to the point of not being able to contain the abundance. Do we like the sound of that? Because we too can toil. We can toil and we can toil to the point of, of uh, exhaustion or we can let go of the fear that we have and we can be filled. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to pour out his blessings on us, the blessings of God from us to others. He wants that to happen. The testimonies, the willingness of these fishermen, remember this, the willingness of these fishermen live on in the scriptures, don't they? Doesn't that testimony live on in the scriptures? And it continues to this very day to bring multitudes into the kingdom. Even now, those men are fishers of men to this very day. God has a legacy for us. We must remember that. Your life isn't just about you. Ah, but when you're walking with him, there's no better place to be. There's no better life to live. Anybody here who's walking with the Lord disagree with me on that? It's an abundant life. It's a life of blessings. It's a life of wholeness. It's a life of his mercy and kindness and grace coming down upon us every moment of every day. It's a glorious life. There's such satisfaction in serving Jesus. We still must deal with our own truths, though, because we can resist God. We can be fearful, and we can also be too prideful. We don't like that word, pride. And there was a devoutly religious man, well-versed in Judaism, who also had a very, very divine appointment with Jesus. And we're getting closer to finishing, so I see Pastor Lyle looking at me. <laughs> but we're going to read Acts 9, 1 through 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, that's followers of Jesus Christ, whether they were men or whether they were women, that he might bring them back bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone out of heaven 
And then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard to kick against the goats. So he, trembling in his daughter, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice. They heard a voice, but they didn't see anyone. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, because he was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. He's blind, he's fasting, trying to figure all this out. God gave Saul that time to process what had happened. We must never think we are beyond the need for a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Never. It doesn't matter how much you think you know, how long you've been walking with the Lord, whether it's two days or 200 years. <laughs> okay? It doesn't matter. You're, you're always going to be in need of a fresh touch. And it's important that we walk in humility, that we remain teachable. This Saul was, had every reason to be so prideful, so prideful, because he thought he knew it all. We must remain in humility and we must remain teachable, every one of us, always pressing in and desiring more of God. Always desiring more of God. So Saul's conversion and his mission was sealed then by Ananias, a disciple from Damascus, who, now he had a divine appointment and he put aside fear. So here's our fear example. By faith and obedience, Ananias played a role in God's divine appointment with Saul. Acts 9, 10 through 17 says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision. I want you to see these different ways God is speaking to people. This one's a vision. He spoke to Saul with words, okay? So this is a vision. Ananias in the vision, he said. And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Don't we want to be like Ananias? Here I am, Lord. Oh, yeah, I recognize your voice. It's not that unusual to me. I hear you all the time. It's not like I'm taken aback. Oh, my gosh, God is speaking to me. Ananias said, here I am, Lord. He heard from God a lot. We want to be like Ananias. Okay? Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. Did I change? I think, was I supposed to change something here? Maybe. I think so. Let me see. I think I didn't put it. Yeah, I was supposed to. Okay, I just didn't have it on my paper. Okay. Arise and go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold... He is praying. I think I'd be praying too, wouldn't I? If I was struck blind. <laughs> he was praying. He is praying. And in a vision, now he's had a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias coming in 
and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, oh, Lord, I heard from many that this man, how much harm he's done to your saints, to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, before kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Okay. Ananias went his way, so he said, okay, you really mean it. I see you have a big plan for this guy. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, so he was obedient to follow through there too. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget that part. Because obviously he knew so much. He walked with God. He was a Pharisee. He, he, he pretty much knew. He, he studied under uh, Gamal, Gamal. And he was studied under the best of the best. He knew it all. Amen. He didn't have, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God calls us. He frees us. We're winding it up. Right? He prepares us. So he's, he doesn't just call you. He calls you and he sets you free. Makes you whole. Amen. Okay? And after he makes you whole, that's part of the preparation. He prepares you. He teaches you. He, he lets you encounter him. And then he sends you. Where are you in that order of events? How long have you been with the Lord? How long have you known the Lord? Where are you? But you know what? He'll send you over and over and over again. He'll keep preparing you. It's not a one-time shot. The one-time shot is, is him calling you into the kingdom. When you become a Christian and when you become a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ and you begin walking with him, and you're not just saying, oh, save me, save me, but you're saying, Lord, 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 you're my Lord. Amen. The rest of the journey begins. The awesome journey that we have with him. The opening of many divine appointments that might lie ahead for us. So he reaches us through the scriptures. He reaches us with, with his voice. That's my favorite. We're right there. Just, just, just tell me. Just tell me. I love it when he speaks to me. That's how I prefer it. You know, I'm just straightforward. Just tell me what you want. Uh, visions, dreams, and divine appointments. <laughs> so with all of that said, I'm going to close with this stuff. Friday and Saturday night, this Friday, a couple of days from now, we're going to be privileged to host an event that I believe, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I believe has the potential to be a divine appointment for this church. Amen. Amen. Okay? And not just for this church, but for our community. Amen. Something we've been praying for for yes, a very Lord. long time. A divine appointment for our, those in our church and those in our community. Yes, uh, and it will be for all who choose to come. I believe that that every one of us will receive something by coming. 
And I'm going to say it one more time because I know that, that Pastor Chris said it also. You can have a divine appointment one-on-one -on -one with God. He's more than happy to do that in your heart. He's willing to meet you right where you are any moment of any given day. But I happen to know from personal experience that when we come together as a body, that where two or more are gathered in his name, the Holy Spirit of God shows up in our midst. And when the Holy Spirit of God is in our midst, he begins moving and moving and touching. And when you look around and you see that other people are, are being set free, it stirs up in you a desire to be set free too. Amen. And if that happens to you, then God is going, ah, finally I have your attention. Let's do it. Let's do it now. We have had many people come forward. And I have known that there's been breakthroughs. But I'm going to just be very honest. I know that in some people... I have experienced that God wanted to bring them all the way here, and they were only willing to go here, not here. And so pray for yourselves, pray for the rest of our church family, pray for those who will enter in these doors in the community, that God will set people free. Not just a little free, all the way free. <laughs> free, 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 free. So I don't know what God's going to do. I really don't know because he doesn't always share everything with us. But I do know that he's teaching us and that he's asking us to trust him more and that he desires always to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring freedom, to bring to just deliverance. He's always willing. We're the ones who resist. And because I know that about our God, in just a couple of days, we want to welcome Daniel Adams for the found, and his wife, Heather. He's the founder of The Supernatural Life. And if any of you here haven't looked at his stuff, look him up. He's all over the internet. Daniel Adams, The Supernatural Life. I believe that God desires for every Believer to live, every follower of Jesus Christ to live the supernatural life. So when I read that, I don't go, ooh, the supernatural life. We should be living the supernatural life. God is supernatural, above the natural. He doesn't have to do everything naturally like we do. Every encounter with our Lord is a divine encounter. So let's come into agreement as we pray for those things and we pray for this coming event that... Um, his empowerment will come upon us and work through each of our lives and that we will bring glory to his name, not just now, but that we will bring glory to the name of our Father, of Jesus Christ our Lord, through the Holy Spirit, that we will bring that kind of glory to him, not just now, but every day, forevermore. So if anyone needs prayer now, you know we're always open for prayer.